This is episode 102 with the founder and CEO of Everline Coatings and Services, John Evans. Welcome to the Path to Freedom podcast. I'm your host, Wes Barefoot, where it's my mission to help aspiring entrepreneurs and existing business owners take control of their lives and create freedom for themselves through business ownership. Each episode, I'll be exploring the strategies and tactics of other successful entrepreneurs that have created freedom in their own lives while sharing what I'm learning along my own path to freedom. I'm glad you're here. Let's drop in. Hey, what's up, Path to Freedom listeners, and thanks for dropping into another episode. Today, I'm joined by John Evans. John is the founder and CEO of Everline Coatings and Services, which is a company focused on pavement, maintenance, line striping, and a variety of other services, all aimed at helping homeowners, property managers, uh, commercial property owners maintain one of their largest assets which is their parking lots. Um, Really interesting franchise opportunity. As you guys know, I love these types of businesses, what I like to call the dirty, unsexy service businesses. But as you'll hear from John, there's a lot to like about the Everline business model from a business opportunity perspective. And it's a much needed service in a very, very fragmented industry where finding reputable, professional, reliable companies is very hard to come by. So fascinating background for John. He shares his story of kind of growing up in franchising. He had parents that were franchisees. He was a franchisee with College Pro Painters in college and uh, ended up stumbling onto, you know, an opportunity which has now become Everline Coatings and Services with franchise opportunities across North America. So Very interesting hearing from John, his background, his experience, and a fascinating company that he's built. So with that, let's drop in with John Evans. All right. Hey, friends. Thanks for dropping into another episode here on the Path to Freedom podcast. Today, I'm joined by John Evans. John is the founder and CEO of Everline. And that's what we're going to be talking about today is Everline. It's a very exciting franchise opportunity. Um, So John's going to really kind of help us understand this particular opportunity. But it's one I really like for a lot of reasons, which we'll get into today. But uh, before we go there, John, thank you for joining us. Um, Take a minute, just kind of introduce yourself to the audience and, and give us a quick overview of what Everline is. Yeah. Hey, certainly. Well, hey, thanks so much, uh, Wes, for having me here. It's super, uh, super exciting. And uh, and yeah, I uh, I I like talking about Everline. Uh, so it's uh, it's been my my pride and joy as as we've grown up. So or as as it, as the company's kind of grown up uh, yeah. from from its humble beginnings, and uh, and and really excited to be about where it's going and that kind of thing. But I guess uh, a bit of a bit about myself, my background. I've been a uh, I've been in franchising uh, my whole life. Uh, I'm. Okay. Uh, I'm essentially I was based here in Canada. Uh, grew up, I guess, yeah, grew up in, uh, born and grew up in Canada here. 
uh, and uh, started off uh, with uh, multi-unit franchise owner parents. Uh, oh, so okay. Yeah, introduced to the uh, uh, to the whole thing uh, right uh, right away, going to conferences as 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 a little kid, and you know just meeting all the other franchise owners. Of course, you know being that little, you don't really understand what's going on. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But um, and it's just really interesting how just the whole journey and how it's gone, uh, and just how it's all stayed along this path, which is really interesting. Uh, we uh, uh, went from, uh, you know, I, I started off in high school working with franchise brands and things like that, you know, okay. things like McDonald's and Subway and all that sort of stuff as, as a kid, yeah. uh, 14 to 16, 17 years old. And, you know, kind of being really exposed to uh, systems and processes right away. And I remember when my uh, my dad, uh, my dad forced me to uh, put in the application because I didn't want to get a job when I was like, you know, 14 years old. I'm like, I want sure. my summers and stuff yeah, like that. Exactly. And, uh, he's like, listen, you're going to, uh, you're going to learn a lot from here. I'll just tell you, this is the best experience kind of thing. And, uh, you know, went in kicking and screaming, I'll be flipping burgers. I want a cool summer job and stuff like that. And uh, I attribute a lot of kind of really the foundation of my work ethic and career to kind of that experience and being it just right smack into the middle of that, that those processes and what makes that brand so uh, uh, so great in its own yeah. way. So yeah, it's through you know you know school, university, or whatnot. Uh, you know, getting jobs here and there, but really where it all uh, uh, kind of uh, culminated to the end is I became a franchisee myself uh, uh, through in uh, university for a brand called College Pro Painters. Uh, so they're big across Canada uh, and I think in Northeast US there as well. But uh, it was a uh, uh, just a, an element where they take students like myself who are young hot shots in business school and all that kind of stuff who thinks they know everything and you get a taste of business ownership for for uh, for a summer there, and uh, and yeah, just kind of that's that's kind of what started the uh, the the journey uh, from that point there. That's so cool. Uh, I, I kind of chuckled when you said college pro painters, cause I didn't, I didn't know that about you, but I've probably had at this point five or six founders of brands that also were college pro painter yeah. franchisees coming up, um, which I think is really interesting, but you know, for you growing up in franchising, I'm curious what, what franchise did your parents own? Uh, it was an Alouette Cosmetics franchise. So it's a skincare. So it was big oh, cool. in the 80s and 90s for those home shows and things yeah. like that. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. So they had the rights to uh, uh, Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Uh, and so they and they were opening up uh, locations all over uh, the, the province of Ontario there. That's so interesting that that, you know, you kind of grew up seeing them build their business through through franchising and then have just kind of stayed in it. And that's something I found very interesting you know, as I've worked in franchising for, for most of my professional career now and, and people that do end up in franchising, there's usually an interesting journey for them to get there. But once they're involved in franchising, most people stay, they don't, yeah. they don't really, you know, veer away from franchising and, and, you know, entirely. And so I find that interesting. And I, I always wonder, we have, my wife and I have kids, we own a couple of franchises, our oldest is five right now. And, I always kind of wonder, like, are, are they going to want to, you know, do the same type of thing? And, um, you know, right now, our oldest is kind of at that age where, like, she thinks it's cool to go into the office with my wife. And, like, she had a training going on with her salespeople earlier this week. And my daughter got to go and spend oh, yeah. half the day up there. And she just thought it was the coolest thing ever. Um, and just a quick little funny story, and then we'll move on. But um, she's still young enough to, like, she doesn't fully understand 
like, especially what I do as a consultant, right? She just hears this term franchise all the time. And we were in the truck the other day and I was taking her to her dance class and she goes, dad, what is, what is your business? You do French fries. <laughs> and I was like, no, not, not French fries, um, franchise. And then I'm like, all right, how do I explain to a five-year-old, like what a franchise is? And, and I kind of just moved on, uh, from that. Oh but, yeah. You know, so it'll be interesting to see if our kids, um, you know, end up staying in, in franchising in some capacity or not. But I mean, wow, what what good experience for you growing up and then, you know, having the part time jobs that you did in, in high school and getting some exposure to, you know, how systems and processes can really make a business run more efficiently. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's no doubt from what I know about college pro painters it's such a good program. And I mean, talk about good real world experience of how to run a business and build and manage teams and and how to market and sell. And I mean, just all of it. It's, it's oh, great experience. Oh, oh yeah. And, and it's I, I mean, yeah, like I think just the commonality of all those founders that have all been a part of it. I mean, nothing, nothing really uh, makes you grow up more than getting that phone call at 930 at night or something like that and you find out that your painting crew kicked over a full gallon of paint on a cedar shake roof oh. and uh, it's all down the brick at, oh um, yeah of the house and all that kind of stuff and you're 20 years old and you got to deal with that uh, as a business owner yeah and, uh, and you know i would still say nothing is as bad as that ever again well it's <laughs> it's there's no one to defer to Right. Yeah. You know, if you're an employee, you run something like that up the ladder and there's someone else that's going to have to come in and resolve it with the client. But when it's your business, you've got to figure it out and, and make it right. And um, yeah, I mean, it's just invaluable experience and mm -hmm. really, really interesting. So tell us what is what is Everline? What do you guys do? So Everline Coatings and Services is a parking lot, line striping, and pavement maintenance business. So essentially everywhere out there has a part, every building out there, virtually every building has a parking lot. And on that parking lot, there is pavements. That's uh, you, you see when you hear people say, you know, asphalt jungle or concrete jungle out there, you know, the, uh, the wind, the water, the rain, the sun, the traffic wears it down uh, in one way or another. And uh, essentially it just needs to be maintained like any other asset uh, that's out there. And so Everline uh, began as, uh, I guess, a, a business that was, you know, kind of coming from my franchisee experience in a relatively fractured, uh, I guess, industry like house painting, you mm -hmm. know, where you have lots of, uh, of, I guess, one man contractors that, uh, you know, chuck in a truck, that sort of thing. Yeah. And you're competing based off professionalism and, and uh, communication. As a 20 year old, I'm pitching you know, to a husband and wife, uh, you know, uh, give me $20,000 to paint the exterior of your home. I'm 20 years old and I'm competing against, you know, these rough and tough people. What well, we're winning these jobs because of the presentation. Yeah. And uh, essentially, uh, Everline kind of began in, uh, in the, just kind of in a very similar world where there is, it is a very fractured and leaderless and uh, not a lot of standardization. And you apply the same principles to it uh, in this space. And uh, it's kind of uh, created a an amazing business model uh, for us here. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And it's one of the things I like so much about your business is just how highly fragmented the industry is and, and really just kind of a lack of professionalism. And, and in my eyes, that's what makes, you know, some of these service type franchise businesses so appealing. Mm -hmm. And I want to get into to more of that. But so how did, how did you personally 
land on this as a business opportunity and and something you said, hey, you know, this could actually be a, a great franchise business. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, really it kind of uh, all goes back to the, the franchising background. So I uh, ended up uh, being one of the top uh, producers for College Pro in North America. And I was being groomed, I guess, to be their general manager to train the next generation of uh, franchise owners coming in. But I, you know, couldn't shake the entrepreneurial edge. I, I was making these demands. I'm like 23 or years old at <laughs> this time kind of thing. And you're like, this is how I want to run it. And here's how we're going to do it. And I remember the CEO of the brand at the time said, sounds like you just want to run your own business, man. Uh, we need people <laughs> that like, need to work for us kind of thing. Yeah. I said, I'm, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll go do, do my thing. And so I didn't really have an idea of what I wanted to do next. And I went to uh, a, a franchise show in uh, in Calgary here, just yeah. not to necessarily to go uh, uh, specifically for a franchise, but just to go get the juices flowing for what I was yeah. going to do. And I ran into a company that was not selling a franchise, but they were selling a license mm. for a, a new type of traffic marking that lasts two to four times longer uh, ah. than standard traffic paint. And so they had a piece of equipment in the uh, in their booth that was, looked exactly like a sprayer that I was used to uh, as a, as a house painter. Okay. Uh, so I was immediately drawn to that. I was like, "What is this?" And they were having a hard time because they were not they were selling a license to it, mm -hmm. not a franchise. And so everyone there is for a franchise system. And so their message was kind of not being caught on by the 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 attendees there. But I was like, "Okay, let's let's talk about this. This is very interesting." And we went out for dinner that evening and uh, just started talking about the state of the industry, my background. And they're like, this background is lining up exactly with kind of what is needed uh, mm. in this industry here. And uh, we just uh, talked about just the, the fragmented nature of it. And they're like, so you can hire people and run crews. I'm like, Oh yeah, no problem. Uh, so you can like run out of trucks and trailers. Yeah, no problem. It's all virtually the same stuff and yeah. uh, just related to a different, uh, uh, a different world there. And I would explain to them the whole idea of I'm 21 years old, 20 years old to, you know, pitching these uh, professional painting jobs uh, and, and competing against people that have had, you know, decades of experience ahead of me. And uh, essentially just got to talking and, and, uh, and I was so inexperienced at the time I was 23 that uh, I thought, you know, I was going to take on their company name and go from it. So then that was like a big shock. They're like, so what are you going to name your company now? And I was like, what are you, you talking about? Yeah. Uh, I was used to being part of a brand uh, and all that kind of stuff. I was and yeah. like, and uh, so then I remember, uh, you know, they're like, okay, I, you know, I think I'm, Going to call after going through a few uh, different names. I landed on Everline uh, as as a name there, and uh, we went uh, uh, to I um, uh, went to I was sent over to Toronto, Ontario, uh, to uh, do about a day and a half of training, and uh, it was really just like getting like a pamphlet, a book of yeah. uh, just of stuff when I'm used to franchise training too, right? right? Where it's yeah. just like you go through just series of, of things. So it was very much relying on the skills that I had developed as a franchise owner previously. And I sat, I remember just sitting down the first day of opening up Everline and, uh, you know, they just kind of told me how to reach out to initial clients and begin jumping up interest and things like that. And uh, just be like, I have no systems at all uh barely have a phone number i you know i have uh barely have an email and uh just kind of getting to the point where it's like i have no way to estimate this work i have no way to propose this work so i started building all that stuff uh, for myself uh, just because i was used to that that's how i operated yeah 
and that's kind of where uh where it all started there anyway that's so cool so let me ask you this well a couple of questions that that go with that one is do you ever think back and wonder what your life would be like if you hadn't gone to that franchise show in calgary I, uh, that was such a chance meeting. Yeah. Sounds like it. Of all chance meetings for sure. Uh, that that's just bill to bill. They have no idea. If you just, that there was a misconnection there. Yeah. Like, or or if, you know, you you weren't able to do that dinner later that night or or something like who knows, but it, so that I, I thought that was really interesting. Um, but credit to you for like spotting the opportunity, right? And saying, hey, there there could be something here. Let's let's pull some strings and and see, you know, if there really is legs to this. So I guess my next question then would be when you first started Everline, were you already at that point in time thinking, I want to franchise this business, or were you more looking at it as just a good local business opportunity for yourself? Oh, no, it was more just for myself. Okay. Uh, like I saw that uh, what it could build, I saw their financials and things like that, what it could turn into in Toronto, Ontario. And I'm in Calgary, which has a quarter of the population kind of thing. Uh, and I figure I was like, okay, well, I, and I, I was so inexperienced as, uh, as an entrepreneur and business owner, I thought, because I had gone to a certain amount of revenue uh, uh, in uh, a college pro, I thought that would just kind of continue in that growth pace kind of thing. So uh, you know, as a student, I did like 350 grand in that summer kind of thing. And, uh, and it's like, oh, well, then this year, my first season, I'm going to do 500 grand right away. Sure. And, uh, you know, you realize you do maybe a, like, you know, just under a fifth of that, uh, you know, your first season, you're like, whoa, it takes real time for these things to build. Yeah. But uh, no, that was it is that, you know, kind of uh, it was designed to be more of a something for my wife and I to uh, to build together and to just create a nice living for for ourselves and that kind sure. of thing. And uh, and then as the journey went on, uh, you know, things changed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, they have in in a big way. And and um, you know, I want to I want to get some perspective of kind of what Everline's grown into at this point. But um, I mean, what a testament you know, to, to how a good franchise system adds so much value to their franchisees, right. Where you kind of went through this process of having to, you know, come up with the brand name and put all these systems and processes into place. And it takes a lot of time. And then of course there's refinement of the systems oh, and yeah. processes. So I'm curious. So what, what was kind of the time frame that you had first established Everline and then follow up to that is at what point did you start thinking, Hey, we're on to something. We could actually take everything I've learned about franchising and, and franchise this brand. Yeah. So I uh, it, it I operated it for about three years. Okay. Uh, before I started, you know, the company's growing, 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 and you start thinking. And in my persona, I'm aggressive expansionist. I mean, obviously, <laughs> with what's going on. Uh, and uh, I was like, okay, how am I going to grow from here? I, I want more. I feel like this is working. This is working. Let's keep going. And, uh, you know, there's different ways you can go corporately. I was like, okay, if I open up an office in Edmonton, which is three hours away, uh, how would that work? Uh, uh, you know, it's like, but I've kind of built a pretty good business here in Calgary. Maybe it's I, I adjust the services. We start getting into freeway, like long line striping. Mm. That's a completely different business. I got very good at capturing the attention of, of uh, B2B customers. Now I'm going mm-hmm. to government. You know, it's like a totally different business. I'm like, I don't, I'm I don't sure. know about that. Yeah. And then I remember it just pops in my head while uh, eating dinner with uh, uh, with Alex, the person uh, that I had that original license for. We 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 kept uh, kept in touch, 
And I said, why, why can't we franchise this? This is uh, like for us to grow. And this was the theory we were talking about how it was going to go. And I said, if, if, uh, if we just standardize this uh, and go and, and apply it, apply this brand uh, across uh, a, a large area, we should be able to get regional and national contracts because the way it had been going on, on in the past and, and still in a lot of places to this day, you get these middlemen that go and sell national uh, management of mm. contracts and then they go and find subcontractors. Oh. Uh, they grind them down in price and quality mm. goes down. And that was the theory put to paper. And I said, if we have a standardized one team ready to roll, they're going to have as a franchise system, you're, they're going to be able to use the same processes that we used here in Calgary to be able to go and build uh, in their local markets. But they're going to get the added benefit of some, of just national work falling in their lap. That's an interesting, uh, I guess, way to go about it. For so sure. I, uh, I had, you know, standalone business, 27 years old at this point, and uh, just had uh, no idea where to start. Uh, so I actually contacted the CEO of College Pro and I said, I have this uh, this thing going on here, this ball of energy. I'm thinking about franchising. Do you mind just talking with me about it? So because I don't know where to start. Uh, even I didn't know what an FDD was. I, I didn't know <laughs> yeah. Right. And uh, yep. they said, I'm too busy to deal with this here right now. And uh, but the International Franchise Association is hosting a contest right now for the best uh, best new franchise concept generated by a millennial. And that was the next gen and franchising contest. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that was when millennials were entering the workforce and people were terrified of us. You know, now yeah, we're all, right you know, now we're older, have kids, you know, all that sort of yeah, stuff. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't sound it's, it's not quite as cool to be a millennial today as it was, no. you know, back back, I don't know, 10 years ago. Yeah, we, uh, you know, it's the, it's the Gen Z's that, yeah. that get the coolest. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah we, uh, <laughs> we, now we're, and soon we're going to, it's going to be like, okay, millennial instead of okay, boomer, right? Yeah, exactly, but, exactly. We're going to be the, uh, the old fogies in the room, but, um, yeah. no, I mean, it's, it's, it's all fascinating, right? But a couple of things I would spotlight there is one, I mean, just being able to go back to, you know, the, the college pro CEO. And, and even if he didn't have the time to really dig in and help you, you know, to give you some good guidance. Right. And, and that's the other thing that I've always found so fascinating about franchising is there's just such a willingness within the franchising community to help others, other brands. Um, because to your point, there's a lot to, I mean, even for someone like you that really kind of grew up in franchising, when you've got this, I like how you described a ball of energy, but you're like, all right, what do I, what do I do? Like, where do I start? If I want to actually turn this into a legitimate franchise business, there's a lot to, to navigate and to figure out. And, and the IFA is amazing. And I'm familiar with the next gen competition. And, and I'm sure that, you know, helped you in, in some massive ways, just really get some good momentum. Well, it was, that was kind of the, the mind blow moment. Uh, that was my first time going to the IFA convention. Uh, and so I had the standalone company. We actually, we applied for as a global contest. We ended up winning the grand prize that year. It was the first year. And uh, what was so great about how they set it up is they got some senior leaders in the industry and they paired us up with who would, who we would most relate, uh, you know, um, uh, relate with. And uh, I was connected actually with Dina Dwyer. Uh, uh, oh, Dina wow. Dwyer and, uh, uh, you know, uh, it was Dwyer Group at the time, uh, but now Neighborly, of course. And she, uh, she's like, Hey, come on down to, to my, our campus. Right. Wow. So I went, checked out, uh, she, she toured me around, uh, her campus in Waco, uh, had, uh, had lunch with, uh, Mary Thompson, the COO there. And essentially just, uh, like, it was like, 
here's what I have. And she's like, okay, well, here's what you should be doing. And, you know, major concepts like franchise unit level economics, you know, what type of support is really, truly needed? What, what are we going to be expecting to get at this time uh, that from a franchisee that like, they're going to look at it from a completely different lens than you. You need to make sure that the magic to this business is not you, that the magic to this business is the business model itself. And so that was when uh, I, I was like, okay, I guess I got to test this. So that's when I went and opened up a corporate location, had a general manager who was also an ex-college pro franchisee. He was just leaving the system. And I said, okay, pretend like you just bought a franchise. I'm going to pay you a salary with some bonuses and all that kind of stuff and uh, and go. And I basically, I wrote a big manual and I just gave it to him and I said, see you later. <laughs> and uh, that was obviously not the way to go about it. And uh, he called me mid, mid this first season. He's like, I'm out of work. I have no idea what's going on, all that sort of stuff. So this is where the refinement's like, okay, let's of maybe course. have a, let's have a more regular talk and let's talk about these things. Let's talk about metrics. And like, that's where kind of all started. And he ended up buying the the first franchise off of us after that first season. Because oh, that's just so cool. That's so cool. I mean, to have mentors like, you know, Dwyer's and, and Mary Thompson and, and for those listening neighborly, Formerly, the Dwyer Group is a big conglomerate, and I think they're up to like 28 or 29 franchise brands yeah. that they own internationally. And, and the one thing all these brands have in common is they provide some sort of home service or home improvement. Um, one of the brands my wife and I own, Shelf Genie, was actually acquired by Neighborly about two years nice. ago. So um, I've got a, a little bit of insight into to that world. But I mean, when it comes to knowing how to build franchise brands and and scale them no, nobody's really done it bigger than than neighborly you know at this point so to be able to learn from those folks and see how they're set up is huge right mm-hmm. um and, and i think to your point you do just have to get started right i mean setting up that first corporate location and kind of letting this guy run with it really good litmus test to say like all right what's what's working what's what needs refinement where do we need to you know, add more support or, or, you know, tweak some things. So I think that was a really, really key part of getting started. Um, so kind of give us some perspective. Where is Everline today? So we're recording this in August of 2022. Um, you started in Canada, but now you have a presence in the U.S. as well. So just kind of zoom out and give us a, a snapshot of where the brand is today, number of franchisees, number of territories, et cetera. Sure. Well, I mean, uh, going from from selling the first franchise to all the way until I guess the beginning of this year, uh, we got it up to 19 franchise locations uh, across Canada. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, we, uh, I guess, step, uh, stepped over the border uh, uh, there just this uh, beginning of this year. We had our first confirmation day in March. And right now we're at, I think, 55 total franchise locations awarded in North America right now. So we went, uh, uh, you know, 35 uh, locations in the last uh, few months uh, since since in March there, that kind of thing. That is awesome. Congratulations. And something I want to point out to the listeners, right? This is like my favorite type of franchise to introduce people to just in terms of kind of where you're at in the evolution of your brand. And I hope everyone was really paying attention to all the time, energy, learning, and effort that John and his team have put into getting the brand to this point, you know, clearly, you know, you guys are still emerging, right? In the sense that, mm-hmm. like, th- these are the early innings of this brand. Like, you've got so much growth opportunity ahead of you, but there's such a solid foundation there already, right? With 
just all the time that's gone into it, some of the mentors and people that you've had helping you, that's one of the first things I look at anytime I got get introduced to an emerging brand is I look at the leadership, what's their background, what's their experience, and have they surrounded themselves with you know, successful franchise people that have a good track record in building brands because that can make a world of difference you know, when you're building a brand like, like you're doing with Everline. So in my eyes, this is really this kind of sweet spot where, you know, number one, you guys started in Canada, right? So you had some good experience and a bit of a track record before even came into the U S and, you know, we all know with good brands, territory can be a challenge. Once the brand gets really established and fairly mature, it can be hard to find good territory available. So, you know, this is an opportunity where, Solid foundation, solid track record, excellent leadership, but still prime territories available. Mm-hmm. And and that's kind of like the best of both worlds in, in my eyes and, and not opportunities that come along all that often. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and there was actually some feedback we received at our last uh, confirmation day there. Uh, you know, we did our presentation of what's under the hood and all that kind of stuff. And somebody who's a franchisee for another brand, uh, another fast growth, uh, growth band. And they said, how on earth do you have all this? ready at this stage and uh and then they aptly said i guess you've just been developing under the radar in canada for the last 10 years and you just showed up yeah <laughs> it, it, it kind of is and i know you know from your perspective it, there's a lot more to it than that but yes. it yes. is it is because i mean there's another brand out of canada i'm sure you're familiar with them um but they kind of did the same thing they they established a really solid foundation in Canada and then came into the U S and for, for people looking for a good franchise in the U S that's, that can be a remarkable opportunity, right? Where, because a lot of times it kind of goes the other way, right? A brand starts in the U S and then they start thinking about expanding and Canada's a lot of times kind of a natural first expansion, you know, country to go into. So yeah, it's, it's kind of a unique dynamic in, in that regard as well. Um, so let's let's just talk a little bit more about Everline and you know let's look at it from a perspective franchise owners eyes. Um so first of all just give us a little more detail you kind of gave us the uh, a, a overview earlier of the actual services that Everline is providing but maybe take us in a little more detail like what are the services who are the types of sure. clients that that you're actually working with um and then we'll go from there. Sure. Well, we are primarily a B2B brand. Uh, we right. do have uh, some B2C, but it's not our main focus. Uh, but really, our clients are people that uh, that are um, uh, public and private, uh, I guess, uh, uh, managers and owners of, uh, of, of existing asphalt and, and concrete pavement assets. So those are things that uh, are all, it all needs to be managed in an appropriate way. And so how we do that, is we present ourselves as a, uh, I guess, a uh, high quality contractor that focuses on, focuses on communication, credibility, professionalism, and quality uh, as kind of the overall experience with a real big emphasis on communication. And we provide services like parking lot line striping, which needs to be done every year, sometimes mm-hmm. twice a year. Uh, you have uh, 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 asphalt seal coating, uh, crack filling for concrete and, and uh, asphalt there, uh, at infrared asphalt repair. And, uh, and then also for, uh, for any of the, anyone that's in winter states and things like that, we can do interior coatings like, uh, interior line striping for inside warehouses and distribution centers and actually protective resinous floorings for, uh, or epoxy flooring, uh, for those same clients that need protective coatings for a non-slip surface 
for uh, protecting from forklifts and their battery acid, all that sort of stuff, uh, which is a big thing. So, uh, so that would be, you know, we're looking at uh, uh, malls, commercial property management companies, uh, you know, municipalities we can work for, and then on the inside distribution centers and warehouses and things like that. I love it. I love a good B2B business like that. And and like you pointed out, right, there there will be times where you're maybe able to help a homeowner or something, but um, uh, predominantly a, a B2B play, which um, I think a lot of people find attractive. And I'll, I'll share a quick story just to kind of reiterate a couple of things that you've mentioned. One, just how fragmented, you know, the industry is and how difficult it can be for property owners or managers to find a reliable contractor to do this type of work. So my wife and I own a small commercial um, building, but it's like a unit within a larger building and we run our businesses out of there. And uh, somehow I ended up on the board for, you know, the HOA or the equivalent of an HOA for a commercial thing. And, and, you know, it's nothing super fancy, you know, it's kind of industrial type space um, and, and the buildings, you know, fairly old. Right. So, one of the things that the board, you know, has been involved in since I've been a part of it is the the parking lines need to be restriped. Like you mm -hmm. basically can't see the the lines in the parking lot at this point. And then there's cracks in the asphalt and there's some pretty bad potholes and things like that. For a year, we haven't been able to find a company in our area that will even call us back or come out and look at it for a year. There yeah. was there was a company and it was, you know, a, like a small family owned company. And apparently the husband either passed away or had some health issues, or the husband, the, the you know, the patriarch, the founder of the, the company. So he's no longer doing it. No one was really there to step in and take it over. So this was like the, the company that the property management company we work with had used in the past. And now that he's not available, uh, they can't find anyone. I mean, it's literally like we we have the money to do it. We want to pay <laughs> someone to do it. And it's not a huge project, I'm sure. So I'm I'm sure like, you know, there's some companies that that they've contacted and it's just small potatoes, right? They've got yeah. bigger, bigger projects on the docket. But that it's it's really kind of for me, helped me better understand how much of a need there is for whatever line does. And there there really is something to be said for getting into a franchise business in a space like this where the industry is so fragmented and you know you're probably going to have competition right but it's unsophisticated competition yeah. and one of the things I'll ask you about here in a moment is like what types of franchise owners you're looking for but in brands like this because of the systems and the processes and the support your owners are able to think from a business standpoint from day 1 versus you know, kind of being an, an operator and, and having to think about business secondly, if, if that makes sense. So um, there's so much opportunity in industries like this. If you're part of a really strong franchise brand, it's not going to be that difficult to win jobs over the competition. And the beauty is you don't have to play this game of who's the cheapest, right? Because right. people will be willing to pay more to deal with a professional, reliable company that communicates well and provides a quality service. Yeah, absolutely. That that is truly the uh, the element there, and it's and it's not only that of even being able to do the work. I mean, there's just so much work out there that you can see. Not even all of it's even be able to get done. But it's also for those uh, those projects. It's like you're dealing with a relatively unsophisticated contractor that's basically providing a relatively unsophisticated experience. 
And that's all based around communication. And we've built out all of our technology uh, to be able to make it a lot easier for our franchisees to be able to communicate with those uh, those clients. And of course, the clients are always in the know of what's going on, things like that, and that we are able to um, uh, to get the work done uh, if more efficiently as a result of all of that to happier clients. And so it's just kind of one of those things where once they get that chance, to, once we get that opportunity to throw our hat into the ring for, for bidding, we tend to win most of those jobs through a whole proposal process, which is totally derived from the just the little elements of me presenting a proposal for a painting job at a uh, at a house to a husband and wife and things like that. Uh, it's like, okay, how do we present that in such a way uh, that uh, you're going from there? So it's like not even just like just the work itself, but we just compound on top of that with just a very well run tech stack that makes uh, that allows it to be scalable for the franchise owner so that they can handle the growth that our units experience. Because I tell the franchisees, listen, these these things grow very fast and sometimes it's tough to keep up with. And so we have uh, facilitated technology and methods to manage people to be able to uh, to capture as much of that uh, that energy as possible right away. Yeah, the the tech stack's huge in these types of businesses because one, it it streamlines just the day to day management for the yeah. franchise owners and and everyone on their team. But then the communication piece, and you know, one thing I've learned through our experience owning, I would say similar businesses, right, insulation and and shelving and closets, um, clients just want to be communicated with, right? That's it. Like most clients will understand that sometimes things happen, right, and sometimes. You know, maybe there's a delay or a job's going to take a little bit longer to finish than you had initially thought. I mean, weather is a factor in a business like yours, I would assume. Yeah. But there's things that obviously will happen from time to time. Most clients aren't going to be upset about that as long as you're communicating and proactively just keeping them in the loop, right? It's yeah. it's when they don't hear from you and they don't know if you're showing up today or not or you know, these types of things where you start to get really unsatisfied customers. And, you know, I, I can guarantee anyone in anywhere in the U.S. right now listening to this, you know, look at some of the local options for these types of services. And I guarantee you the websites are not very well done. And if you were to like fill out a form to request information, you know, you're not going to get a call. I mean, there's just so many things that you know, a good technology stack and good systems and processes are going to give a franchisee a massive edge yeah. uh, over competition. And and customers can tell, you know, before they have to commit and say, hey, you've earned my business, they can tell what type of experience, you know, the way you've right. communicated up to, you know, the evaluation or the consultation, the way you actually present the bid, right? Is that in a professional format? And are you actually educating them on why you're recommending what you're recommending and why it costs what it costs. Like these are things that people pick up on, especially in your world where you're dealing with property owners and property management companies. Like they deal with these types of things all the time. And they're the ones that'll really appreciate paying a little bit more in exchange for the good communication, the reliable service, and, and then the quality work to, to top it all off. 100%. And that's what, you know, every time a property manager's phone rings, it's usually a problem, right? <laughs> I don't, you know, I don't know. A, I don't know how they they do what they do, man. I mean, talk about putting out fires all day. That's it. Yeah, literally and figuratively. <laughs> yeah, for yeah, sure. true, uh, true. Yeah. So I mean, that that's the, I mean, that's the whole idea is that if you just understand the client's pain and be like, I just want to hire you and I just want it done. I just want to know what's going on and I want no problems after that. Boom, 
right there. It, it goes beyond cost. It goes up the value at that point. And we never play the low cost game. It's yeah. more about building value as a result of that through just uh, you know new methods and even approaching the uh, the whole uh, maintenance program that they should be going at. It's like they're right now. If they say they're used to like, I guess I got to get it's, it's this time this year. I better get my line striped again. It's like, or I need to get uh, it seal coated this time. It's like, well, hang on. Let's look at this whole uh, property and see because there's opportunities to save money and improve and increase the life of this pavement asset. And one way, and including the the line markings through the TBL Durables uh, traffic markings, so they get longer life out of them. It's like the, now you're spending less time, you know, uh, you know, even worrying about this, right? You can go worry about other stuff. Yeah, like less time and and even less money in the long run. And so, you know, at that point, you become a valuable partner for these property managers and stuff. And you know, that's repeat business. Yeah, right, right, right there. Right there, right. You get in with with a good property management company, and you knock it out of the park for them with one of their clients. You're you're an asset to them at that point, right? Because you're going to make their life easier. Like it's yeah. such a pain if a property manager has to like chase these companies down and figure out, you know, like like I feel bad for the the guy that runs our our little building, man. Like he's just he deals with excuse my language, shitty contractors all the time. And it makes yeah. his life difficult. And so when he gets a good company that makes his life easier, they're on speed dial, right? Because yeah. he's got 25 other properties that he manages and they're going to have the same types of issues at some point. And so yeah. that's another thing I really like about this business is not only is it B2B, it really lends itself to repeat business as well, not just from individual properties, but from the property managers that are going to keep sending opportunities your way. 100%. And it goes to, it's not, and even in the transition from uh, from job to job, which property managers might move laterally, uh, that that goes from, uh, uh, you know, when that property manager moves job to another, because you have that relationship, you know, you're going to build, you're going to get that series of work there for the new, uh, the new work. Then you're going to have the property manager that's now in that existing job. And you're going to get that work again because you've been the uh, just like the prompt, the, the good provider for so many years. And then you go and ask, hey, where did you come from? And then you have an opportunity where there's a new property manager who doesn't know, you know, still learning the ropes there. And then you kind of come to save the data to, to offer that. So all these tactics are all built in uh, to just just facilitate uh, the amount of work coming in. So like, it's really uh, work itself has not ever really been our issue. We, in fact, you know, even our franchise, US franchisees, we just launched, we're, we're at our first, like, I have too much to deal with. Uh, we just had our first at first set of that, uh, which was surreal to be a part of like because they just launched. Yeah, I bet. I bet it is surreal, but, and, and I can see where that's overwhelming to a new franchisee, but it's a much better problem to have than the opposite, which is crickets, right? Like, oh yeah. Hey, yeah. when's when's the marketing gonna kick in? Like, it sure would be nice to go, you know, run a sales estimate or something. Um, so yeah, definitely a good problem to have as as a new franchise owner, uh, just trying to stay on top of all the work. But to me, it's like I have no trouble believing that that's the case because there is just such a need for for these types of services. So. Let's talk a little bit about who your franchisees are and, and who you're looking for as franchise owners. Cause I imagine a lot of people listening to this are thinking, well, you know, okay, sound makes sense. I can see there's a need for it, but I don't know anything about this type of work. Or there's probably people listening saying, I don't want to go paint lines on a parking 
lot or, you know, work on asphalt, especially when the hot summer or whatever. So kind of give us a, give us a, a little peek at, you know, what is the role of the owner really designed yeah. to be in this business and, and what types of franchise owners are you really looking for? Oh, certainly. So that the, uh, uh, the whole, um, uh, what we look for, I guess, in, in a franchise owner is the whole idea behind this is that you, the franchise owner is not on site. In fact, that, that, that is the whole, uh, I guess, premise behind this and a big differentiator for why Everline is Everline uh, is simply because you're able to, um, uh, you know, if you are on site and you're actively seal coating the lot or paint lines or filling the cracks or whatever, you don't have time to continue building and managing those relationships with all those property managers and even with the staff too, to be able to get the work done. You just get stuck in, in that uh, that world there. And so, I mean, it's, it's that classic owner operator track, that kind of thing. That is kind of the whole idea um, uh, that uh, uh, is really important to our business model. Now, is the franchise owner potentially if they if they are, if it's them and they have an operation and they have staff or whatnot, are they going to have to save the day once in a while because a key person calls in sick and a job's going to get done? Yep, that does happen from time to time. Sure. So the franchise owners that uh, they need to understand, they may have to uh, uh, hop on a crew or whatever for a super important client or something like that. But that's like, you know, manning the cash register, you know, at your subway, if, if you have sure. to, all that kind of stuff. Well, and, I, and I would imagine, you know, early on, it's good for an owner just to be a little bit hands-on and get some experience, you know, actually working in the field and, and knowing how to use the equipment and, you know, because they need to know it. And, and at the same time, like, especially as they're building a team out, it, it, it kind of sets the tone for the rest of the team, right? If they see that the owner is willing to get in there yeah. and bust it, you know, if, if they have to, you know, you, you're not asking people to do something that you haven't done yourself as the owner, but, but at the same time, you're, you're exactly right. I mean, so many small businesses never grow beyond a certain point because the owner's wearing too many hats and trying to do too much of it. And, and, you know, you, you kind of get stuck. You know, and the yeah. owner becomes a bottleneck to to the business continuing to grow. So long term, you know, you really want your franchise owners working on the business and and yeah. not in the business. Um, That's right. Which and, makes total sense. That's how you scale. And I noticed uh, on your bookshelf there, you got traction. Uh, and that's, uh, you got that, got that. Here I too. saw that too. Yeah. I yeah. saw it. I saw it on yours. And um, so do you guys implement the EOS system? Uh, in not your only, business, not just on the franchisor level, but throughout the franchisee level there as well. So it's, I it's love it. The foundation of all of our support, uh, our level tens uh, that we have. So these are meetings that we have to go through um, all the KPIs, all the kind of more the qualitative and quantitative elements of their business so that we can actively see and identify where those bottlenecks are. Right. And it's just like if you have a, a, an owner that's on site too much, I'm going to notice their gross margins probably going to go high because, you know, they're more efficient than than, you know, than typically an employee. They're out there working, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I'm going to notice that their outbound, uh, you know, relationships are low. It's like that person is on site. We got to fix that. Let's help with hiring. Let's coach based on this. Let's get the, let's get this person trained up so that uh, this next person trained up so that we can uh, get them back in the proper, uh, in the right seat, as EOS says, that kind of thing. Yeah, I love it. So highly recommend traction for anyone that's thinking about starting a business. I send a copy of the E-Myth to everyone that I work with that that goes on to start a franchise because 
you know, it really illustrates exactly what we've been talking about here, which is, you know, the difference working in your business and working on your business. And, you know, I, I love hearing when brands like yours are, are, uh, you know, implementing traction, but also teaching their franchisees how to do the same, because it's, oh, yeah. it's a really good model, you know, to, to set your business up right from the beginning and, and continue to scale it the right way. Um, so, an owner's time is best spent. It sounds like getting out, doing the business development, you know, cultivating some of these relationships, like we've already kind of talked about. Do do you have are, are most of your owners coming in and and Everline is their full time focus, or do you have any owners that are kind of starting it in? You know, there's semi absentee and some of these buzzwords out there, and and it you know, even if it is technically semi-absentee, it looks different with different businesses in terms of what's realistic. But do you have owners that are are able to kind of start this with like a general manager or an operations manager, and maybe they can keep a job if they have some flexibility? Or is it really best if they, you know, can focus full-time on Everline in the beginning? Well, I think in, in really in any business out there, I mean, I, I'd love to see, uh, you know, a business where you can just totally ignore it and then it just grows, <laughs> I guess, on its own kind of thing. Uh, any business that, you know, if you get more of what you put into it, uh, sure. then, you know, then getting out of it, that kind of thing. Uh, so it's kind of, it's very much the same principle. We do have about uh, 40%, 20, 30 or 40% of our uh, U.S. franchisees right now are semi-absentee. We have out of our 19 in Canada, three or four of them are semi-absentee uh, and they'll have a general manager or a key person that, that handles uh, a lot of that, uh, that kind of more of that, that general manager role uh, to uh, make sure things are moving the way that they, uh, they should. Uh, yeah. Sort of thing. So, uh, and part of that is, you know, utilizing EOS for their level tens and things like that to, uh, 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 to be able to manage them more effectively as a result of that. Yeah. Well, it's a good answer, right? I mean, there's, there's no such thing as a passive, business um and yeah. and i think with semi absentee again it's kind of a buzzword and and that's going to yeah. look different in in different types of franchises but i think a lot of it just comes down to the individual right do they have yeah. the ability and the skill set to hire that key person and and kind of delegate to them in the very beginning versus you know jumping in and being more heavily involved and it's it's not going to be the right approach for everyone. And I also think there has to be some realistic expectations, especially with this type of business. Like you're probably going to have a longer ramp up, you know, yeah. if you start at semi-absentee, right? Because you as the owner are just not as involved. Uh, you're probably going to have a longer runway to to profitability, right? Because you're yeah. starting the business out with an extra layer of, of management compensation yeah. in there. Um, we started our, our second, franchise our insulation business true semi-absentee owners since day one you know took a gm to training with us and and he's our guy and that's worked well but you know it was a longer ramp up and yeah. and we knew that and we were okay with that because it gave my wife and i time to focus on other things that generate income for us um but we're very reliant on this guy right like if he yeah. leaves or gets hit by a bus god forbid you know we're gonna have some some things to catch up on right and so yeah, yeah but but i i've got him set up so that he he can think like an owner he can get yeah. compensated as though he yes. has ownership in the company and i think yeah. with these types of businesses if you're considering starting at semi-absentee you need to be thinking along those lines right because if you're not 
calling the shots day to day necessarily or looking at it, you know, as closely as a full time owner would be. You need someone that's thinking like an owner and not just focused on growing the revenue. Got to be controlling costs and, and making sure the business is actually making money. Yeah, that, that's the key piece is that they got to have some skin in the game uh, yeah. and that they are that they are compensated, uh, uh, you know, uh, as, as an owner. And that's why in our FTD, we like I mean, we we open it up for discussion. But in the FTD, the standard is, you know, your general manager has to have 10 percent of the company. Yeah, uh, all that kind I, of stuff. I think that's smart in, in this type of business. I mean, it's a very different business than like if I own a yoga studio and I need a manager to run yes. the yoga studio, right? You know, that's obviously you still need a good person that you can trust and and is going to do a good job, but very different than saying, hey, we own these territories and I need you to go out and develop these long-term relationships and at the same time, hire and build a team and the crews and make sure that they're doing what they need to be doing. And we're pricing stuff out at the right margin, but then we're controlling our costs on the back end to make sure there, there's a lot involved. And so you do need a high caliber person and they need to be incentivized uh, appropriately. Yeah, yeah, no, 100%. And that's where, uh, you know, uh, where you can have an incredible partner and a general manager and they take it to new heights and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and it's about finding that right person. And so anybody who comes to us about semi-absentee, I really dig into the people plan. Who is it that's yeah. going to be the general manager? Uh, yeah. Because, like I've had people say, I'll, I'll hire somebody. I'm like, I, I don't know who you're hiring. Yeah. Like, that's a big deal. Well, you don't know who you're hiring. Like that's a, yeah, <laughs> it's, I, a it's a big deal all around. Um, yeah. yeah, I think it's, I think it's the right, the right approach, right. For, for you and the brand is to make sure that, look, if you want to do it this way, we can talk about it, but let's make sure there's a plan and you're not kind of just going to wing it and hire any old person and and throw them in there and, and, you know, hope it works out. So, um, all right. So that kind of covers it. And I think you mentioned this, but you don't really need your franchise owners to have any like necessarily relevant industry experience. It's more about, you know, the skill set of being able to build and manage a team and, and lead and, uh, really understand as an owner where their time is best spent and and set up themselves up so that that's where they're able to spend most of their time. But I'm sure that's a question that, that people are thinking is like, I don't know the first thing about asphalt, John, yep. like how could I get into this business? That, that's all part of our uh, our training program. So we do 12 weeks of virtual onboarding where we dive into all that stuff. And then, uh, then finally a one full heavy week uh, in Houston, where we uh, uh, basically we just simulate the week in the life of a franchise owner from just sitting down. It's like, I have no clients at all. What do we do? And then, oh, uh, call come has come in. What happens? Okay, they want the job done. What happens? Like all that sort of stuff. So uh, going through all that and uh, that that's where our training and, and ongoing support uh, comes from. So it's pretty cool to say, I mean, we uh, to have, uh, uh, you know, uh, just as we've developed as a brand to, ha to have nationally award-winning uh, franchise support we just won top brand in canada for uh, operations and support of all brands hell canada. yeah that's yeah. awesome so, congratulations yeah, yeah super proud of it and that that's where uh it's like i, I you know as we've kind of developed as, as a company there it all comes down to those fundamental principles of you know really being in their lightning fast responses up by all the support team uh, and just and also continuing education too uh, in this space uh, because it's there's always new methods and ability mm -hmm. you know, things that are popping up 
And uh, we pay close attention to that. So we're constantly at the forefront of new new elements so that the franchise owner will have the tools necessary to be able to make the right recommendations to clients and get everything done uh, according to standards and that kind of thing. So it's like, it. hey, I, I, I didn't know anything. I knew a little bit about paint. I didn't know anything about uh, asphalt or concrete uh, or even traffic paint for that matter or methyl methacrylate or epoxy floorings. <laughs> all, all that sort of stuff. It all, uh, it's all kind of uh, been built into a system now that we uh, we translate that over. Yeah, which there's so much that goes into that. But, you know, once that's in place for an owner coming in, you know, it, it, it really expedites things. Yeah. It, it really, really does. Um, it's still up to the franchise owner to take everything and implement it and execute in their local market. But it saves so much time on the front end of just trying to figure all of this out. And like with our insulation, we didn't, we didn't know anything about insulation. Right. Yeah. I mean, even the GM that we hired, he he was managing restaurants. Yeah. Right. So he had some experience hiring, training, firing, you know, whatever, but, and I would hundred percent consider him an insulation expert today. We've been, mm-hmm. we've had that business open for like a year and a half. Obviously he's got more to learn. He'll keep learning, but you know, because there were good systems and processes and good training and because he was hungry, you know, he immersed himself in it and, and he really became an expert. And, you know, that's a seven figure business for us at, at just a year and a half in. And so it when when you've got a franchise that's got the systems and processes like you guys do with Everline, it's very, very possible for someone to come in and ramp the business up very quickly and have a lot of success not knowing a thing about the industry before people find that that's a little counterintuitive for people, you know, if they haven't really, you know, researched brands like Everline and, and kind of connected some of those dots. So I think it's important to, to point out, let's talk a little bit about infrastructure. So what does this thing look like to actually get up and running? You know, it's, it's clearly a service business, but do you like to see your franchisees have, you know, some sort of a location like parking for trucks. Uh, I, I think you need some trailers or some rigs. Like yeah. what's what's kind of the startup package that, that a sure. franchisee needs to launch the business? So I'm a big believer in keeping things lean to start off uh, mm-hmm. as you're, you know, you're building up those relationships and, uh, you know, until your revenue starts ramping up and then, you know, you're essentially forced to get into like a larger facility and things like that, uh, just because just too much is going on. But uh, the business is able to support that as, as you go on. But uh, in the beginning, the way it goes is uh, really, really all you need is a place to store uh, store equipment, which really can be a garage. It can be a storage unit. It can be, uh, you know, we've had franchisees start up with a sea can and a farmer's field. Uh, we've had, <laughs> uh, you know, we've had franchisees even start off already with a single bay with some offices and things like that right out of the gate. They yeah. take on a bit of that just, just for their ease of use whatever but uh, i don't know i started in my backyard and kind of went into a you know a, uh you know which was i guess free and then went into uh you know a little 300 a month corner of a warehouse to uh you know two thousand dollar a month uh, uh you know single bay unit all that kind of stuff so uh but everything i mean 90 percent, 90 95 percent of operations in this business is done virtually through all of our technology and it's really just kind of you know being able to see the crew off and are inside the tra- truck and trailer i guess mobile unit is basically keep you know you have the truck itself you put the material for the job you're about to do in the truck and then you have the equipment and tools inside the trailer and you're able to go to site and even create modulars where you can have dedicated trailers if you want uh, to be able to go and uh do different jobs here and there and that kind of thing. So 
Um, all those pieces come together and make it uh, just a modular lean startup. Uh, is kind of the whole idea because uh, you know it's kind of one of those things uh, starting up in Canada here. Like even uh, uh, starting up a business in Canada is harder than in in uh, the United States. We've kind of designed it to be much more refined. And here's what you need to do to get things rolling, and so that's translated super well to uh, I guess to an environment where it's like all right, like there's access to capital. We got, uh, you know, methods to be able to get things done. And it's like, this is not really using a whole lot of it. So I can use that for people, for more marketing dollars, for, uh, you know, what, what, for just maybe higher end, uh, you know, just like going to the, you know, buying more equipment to increase capacity right away, whatever it is, like that kind of thing. So that's the whole, uh, whole idea behind that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's built to scale, but you can start it out fairly lean, which, which I think is great. Um, and so what, so basically one, one trailer, a truck and, and you guys kind of, is it turnkey for the franchise? Like, are they buying the trailer from you and it's already outfitted with all the equipment that they need? Is it, is it turnkey in that regard? Uh, yeah. So they do buy the trailer there from us. We do the uh, preliminary build out for it, for where all their, we, you know, they uh, get their initial tool sets uh, there from us. Uh, uh, you know, equipment is all allocated. Some of it's bought through us, uh, and some of it's bought through some preferred suppliers, uh, just to be able to, all of it kind of lands in there over the course of those initial 12 weeks. And then they're ready to launch as soon as they go after that, uh, that Houston, uh, uh, training there. And what kind of a staff does a franchisee need to launch? Assuming they're, you know, more of kind of an owner operator, not trying to, you know, start it with a GM yeah. right out of the gate. What what other staff members would a franchisee need in order to be able to start operating? You want to build a crew of typically two to three, uh, with okay. one of them being a team lead. So somebody who has mm-hmm. who's essentially they're the ones taking ownership on the final quality of the job. So you do have a dedicated person for that to uh, to go with that. Um, but uh, then with uh, one to two uh, payment maintenance technicians uh, below them, we call them PMTs. So that's. Okay. Uh, that, that, like we are training for those guys, uh, for, for those employees, those are um, uh, uh, very much in set uh, in line with uh, uh, just how like, like we're able to get them up and running to professional line stripers, line stripers, crack fillers, all that kind of stuff, all within two weeks through a training program, uh, just with how in depth it is. And uh, that's just how, uh, 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 you know, and then you just have them manage it from there. And those those guys, those PMTs don't need prior experience either. No. You're able to get them up to speed in two weeks through the training. No, in fact, I actually prefer that they don't have any, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> yeah. They don't come with any bad habits. I can see that 100%. Like when we started our insulation franchise, and not to keep bringing that up, but I think it's it's a very similar business model to, to what we're talking about here with Everline. Uh, we knew enough through our other business and, and just other experiences building teams to know that we did not want insulation people on our team. Mm-hmm. We knew there'd be a little more of a learning curve, but we had confidence in the the training that the franchisor provided. And we wanted to get people that were hungry and willing to learn, but were also coachable. And like you said, didn't have any of those bad habits or yep. thought they had a better way of doing it. And, you know, I think that's, that served us really well with that approach. And, you know, we've really not had any turnover even with our installers um, as we call them. And, you know, so I think that's important for people to hear, right. Is that, you know, cause it, it probably sounds intimidating, right. We've already kind of covered that the owner doesn't need that experience, but you know, I can imagine people thinking about a business like this and like, well, I got to go hire this massive team of people. And where am I going to find people that know how to do this type of work? And it's like, look, these businesses, like we've discussed are built to scale 
but you don't have to start, you know, with this massive like HR footprint, two to three good quality people that are willing to learn are going to be enough to get you started. And then as your business grows, you're adding to it, right? You're adding to the team. You're adding another truck and another trailer and more equipment and, you know, maybe getting a bigger location. Is there much of an inventory component in this business or, or not so much? Um, they're tip in a normal, uh, I guess, supply chain environment. No, really not at all. You just go and pick up as, as it is, but there is actually a North American wide, uh, traffic paint shortage right now. And so it's uh, forced us to basically, you know, you get a few pallets uh, of traffic paint just ready to roll because you just don't know where, uh, where it's coming from next. Now, what we've done as the franchise or to combat that is we've been buying our own dragon's hoard uh, of traffic paint and that kind of thing. So in this industry where we've had, you know, many uh, line stripers just shut their doors uh, because yeah. they can't get traffic paint, we have yet to have a franchisee say they can't complete a job because they don't have any paint. And so, I, I bet you that has really helped some of your new franchisees get opportunities, get jobs that they may not have had as much of a chance of getting just yeah. because they were new and they were maybe going up against more established competitor, but because they're part of a franchise, right? And you as the franchisor can leverage the buying power that you have in some of these relationships, you're able to get supplies when independent smaller companies are not. Um, again, we saw that in our insulation business, there was a spray foam shortage, believe it or not. And we were able to get spray foam when other companies in our area couldn't, yeah. that got our foot in the door with builders that we still work with today. And the only yeah. reason they called us was <laughs> out of sheer desperation. They're like, Hey, we've tried everyone. We just found you. It looks like you're brand new, but, uh, any chance you've got spray foam? We're like, yeah, they're like, Oh my God, thank you. Come, yeah. come. And yeah. then, you know, so that's huge. That's huge. And and just another great example of, you know, where being part of a, a franchise company that's set up the right way can can add so much value uh to to you as a franchise owner and especially as a as a new franchise owner. Um yeah. And a part of our fast growth that we've had, it's like I mean, we were a big gorilla, I mean, as it was already, but now the writing is on the wall so far of kind of what the uh, whatever lines really destined to be uh and so uh, all those major suppliers are treating us very well uh, yeah. and I, I and it's my job as the franchise order to say listen my need our franchisees to have significant market uh, advantages because they're a part of the everline system uh, and, uh, that's, that's what we've negotiated as a result of that. And as, as the, the brand continues to grow, you'll have more and more leverage, yeah. you know, with these suppliers and that'll benefit, you know, your franchise owners more and more. Um, and that's, that's something that I think is, is really important for listeners to understand is that in these types of franchises, and in, in my opinion, one of the biggest things the franchisor can do to add long-term value for their franchisees is to leverage the size of the system to get better pricing and, and better uh, just preferential treatment from suppliers and manufacturers. Because, you know, you've talked a lot today about systems and processes and training and all of that. And that's all incredibly important. But in any of these businesses, at some point, your franchisees are not really going to rely on you as the franchise or to teach them the business any longer. Mm -hmm. They'll know it. They'll have it down right but they're always going to be paying a royalty right yep. so they need to always be getting some value in exchange for that and and 
you know, I see a lot of different franchise businesses. And to me, it's always easiest to justify the fees on a long-term basis when you're getting steep discounts because you're part of the franchise system. You know, it, yeah. it usually more than covers the the fees that the franchisees are paying. Well, that's it is that and this stems from my experience as a franchise owner myself. Yeah. Uh, because I remember writing that royalty check. Yep. And I remember when I was happy to do it. And I remember when I wasn't happy. To sure. Do it. Exactly. And, and uh, that is, uh, that is, you know, you don't want to be in a situation where you have they're like, well, you have to pay this royalty because you're contractually required to. So see you later. That kind of thing. Yeah, that, that's not, uh, that's not at all uh, the way that you build a healthy system that's going to grow. You have to, and I, and I, I say it's got to be at the very least a wash for the value they get uh, and, or of greater value right back into their business. And that's, uh, uh, that, it's really cool when we tally up, you know, what the average franchisee gets in national accounts, what the average franchisee gets in discounts on their paint, what the average franchisee gets and even, uh, you know, uh, nice to haves like increased uh, payment terms with, their fran with uh, our suppliers so that they can have improve their cash flow situation. Like Huge. all of that, right? Like uh, it, it adds up significantly. So it's, uh, and we're just like, our goal is to get to X amount of percentage above uh, the, like on average, what, uh, what, it, what is taken out on the royalty side. That's and how, I, how I love hearing that, that that's the lens you're kind of looking at this through. Cause I know people that are franchisees with brands and they're bitter, you know, when yeah. it comes to, to paying the royalty fees, because, you know, they would, they would say, yeah, it was valuable in the first couple of years, but now that I'm six, seven, eight years in, I don't really feel like I'm getting any value in exchange for what I'm paying to be a franchisee. Yeah. And, and, you know, so it's, it's the, the upfront support's huge and, and brands need to really focus on that. But at the same time, they can't just front load all of the value, you know, to new franchisees, they've got to have these things kind of built in and, um, you certainly understand that and, and have done a great job setting the business up so that it's going to always add value to the franchisees. And again, as, as the brand gets bigger, there will just be more and more ways that you're able to, to keep adding value back to the franchisees. So, you know, when it's done like that, that's, that's when franchising really works. You know, yeah. that's the beauty of the, the business model when it's done right. Um, so this is fantastic. What what have we not touched on that you think would be valuable for the audience to to know when it comes to Everline? Uh, I think really I think we've kind of touched on uh, every little thing from uh, you know just really the the being built uh, by franchisees. Like it's not even just myself. Like our whole leadership team have been franchisees uh, of uh, of one brand or another and a service awesome. brand. So we kind of know what it's like uh, in that sense. And that's how we focus. Uh, uh, focus, really, that's the centric focus uh, is, uh, is that element uh, of that there uh, down to the exclusive products and uh, methods in which we apply, which get on top of, you know, I guess even, um, uh, you know, just all those competitive advantages that our franchisees get uh, as a result of being a part of it and and edges and in every situation they have some sort of tool to apply to it yeah your price is too high your price is too low you're you know you're uh you know like somewhere in the middle i gotta be sold more like whatever like this is a big reason why we win the vast majority of our uh of, of our proposals and that kind of thing so all those things add up uh you know just kind of comes from the element of i learned very early in my franchise or career having met with uh you know through people through the next gen program uh, that uh, franchise unit economics 
uh, franchise satisfaction and uh, support are truly the secret to it all. And it's got to have continuous value. And so all of those things put together are what uh, what add up into the magic of what we're dealing with today. And so, yeah, just knock on wood. We're just going to keep it going. I love it. Well said and uh, great job. You know, you've built an amazing brand and and you guys are really just getting started in terms of the the long term potential. So keep up the great work. And um, John, I really appreciate you making time to drop in here on the Path to Freedom podcast. Where can people go if they want to, you know, see if there's an Everline in their area? Maybe they need services uh, for anyone that's, you know, intrigued by the franchise opportunity. Where where can they go to learn more about Everline? Where can folks connect with you if they wanted to? Yeah, uh, best place to do it uh, uh, would be just even our main service website, everlinecodings.com. Uh, and then specifically for the franchise side, everlinefranchise.com uh, is the best way to go about it. You can connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm on there uh, nonstop, all that kind of stuff. Uh, uh, always happy to uh, to answer questions. Uh, I, yeah, just John Evans, Everline, you'll all be there. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. Well, hey, good stuff. Keep up the good work. I, I love, you know, seeing a, an emerging brand, you know, get some good momentum like you guys are, but it's all for good reason. You know, you've built a, a phenomenal um, business model to, to help your franchisees. So I love seeing the success that you're having and uh, look forward to con- seeing you guys continue to grow. Awesome. Hey, well, thanks so much for having me here, Wes. This was a lot of fun. Likewise. That's a wrap. Thanks for joining me today and be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you'll know when a new episode is released. You can also check me out on my website at www.path2frdm.com. And if you want more information about franchising or just want to say hello, feel free to contact me at Wes at Path2FRDM.com. Thanks again. Now go drop in.